put a name drop in it now. Power up the entire world. Hello ladies and welcome to the Queen Keys podcast with Jess Cutting. This morning I am joined by the person whose brainchild is goat yoga. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Yes, so I am the goat master. Um, <laughs> I, um, I started um, teaching meditation and breathwork uh, about three years ago and about six years ago is when I had my big awakening experience. And like, I'm sure we'll go into this, so I'm just going to do the short and sweet version. But after I woke up, I realized that there was so much more that I hadn't been looking at in my life that I was um, afraid of. Broke up with my fiance shortly after um, and then flew to the States and India to learn everything I could about breathwork and meditation. And came back and then I started teaching and I was like, no one's coming to my classes. But then went to my brother, who's a really well-known, um, sorry, really well-versed businessman. And I was like, what do I do? And then he was like, you have to do something that goes viral. And so I was like, cool. And I created three ideas. One was meditation in a hot tub. Another was <laughs> silent disco. And then another was meditation with baby goats. And then I took them, I was like, yeah, test it, see if it works. And so I put um, meditation with goats up first and I didn't have anything. I didn't have a logo, a business name. I didn't have um, a, I didn't have the goats. I didn't have a class structure. Um, I didn't even know what I was going to do in the class. I was like, yeah, cool. We'll see. And I put it up and then it was like, boo, sold out. And then I put up another one. It was like, boo, sold out, boo, sold out. And then I was like, oh my God. God, now I actually have to create this product. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I did that. And um, and now I am, because um, of coronavirus, it's like shut everything down. And I'm super, super grateful because it's allowed me to return back to like the heart and soul of why I started all of this, which was creating that deep connection with ourselves that's sustainable and allows us to actually feel what's going on for ourselves and be who we're supposed to be in the world. Amazing. And I apologize for my cat. Like seriously, he has no, (laughs) no shame. (laughs) As soon as there's a camera on, he's like, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So with that then, obviously wanting to create um, a space for people to connect more deeply with themselves. Do you have like a vision or something that you, I guess, encompasses what flavor of that you're bringing forward? Yes. So what I'm calling forward and everyone, including myself, is the understanding that our the entirety of who we are and all of our experiences is what's required for us to 
step into our power and give what we're here to give to the world. And so for me, it doesn't, for me, my chosen modality is breathwork and meditation. And it's giving those experiences of deep connection with self and others in the world that allows us to fully embody who we are and hold nothing back. Amazing. I've been, I've obviously been to events that you facilitated, so I can say firsthand that what you offer and the space that you create for people is so transformative. What was, well, I guess, what was your journey to finding meditation and breath work as your modality? Oh, okay. Fuck, I hate retelling this story. It's interesting because I used to love telling it because it gave me so much significance. And now I think I hate it because I feel, I still feel it. And I'm like, how am I not over this yet? So. Are you even an activator? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So. So. When I was a little girl, I was sexually abused by my stepdad. Well, this is so appropriate. Thanks, Jess. This has really been coming up for me this week. So it's good for me to own it. Always kind of just trivialised it or like set it as part of the greater story, like for significance. But now I'm actually starting to like, I feel like fully embody and feel it. So I was sexually abused as a little girl. And then I couldn't feel a lot of things after that. Like anger and sadness stopped. I just didn't feel real anymore. Um, And as I was moving through high school, I slowly began to notice how shut off I was and how out of control my brain was. It was like just overanalyzing all the time and I was so tired of it. And then I got to like when I was 15, I remember I was thinking like you should probably do something about this. And then I was like, it's okay, you can deal with it, it's fine. And then I got to like my early 20s and the same thing happened. I was like, okay, this is really bad. Like, you know, it's getting really bad now. Um, But I was like, it wasn't that bad. You'll be fine. And then I was like, like six years, maybe five years into a relationship with this man. And I couldn't, I just didn't want to marry him. And I didn't understand why, because I loved him very much. And um, we were engaged. And then I had a visceral experience of crossing the road and wondering if I would get hit by traffic. And I didn't care. Oh, no. 
I was better than that. I I felt a I felt relief at the thought that it would that it might happen. And because I had that experience, that was like a trigger for me. I was like, whoa, it's time to do something. You do it now or you stop caring about what matters to you. So then I went to a meditation retreat called Vipassana, which was like a boot camp and um, it's not a retreat. It's like 10 hours of meditation a day in silence, so no talking, no physical touch, no verbal, um, sorry, no non-verbals as well. You can't look at each other and then you can't eat after midday and you have no technology, no writing, no exercise or anything. So all my vices would be taken away from me. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm fucking ready. Like, like help. Like it was like my, my insides were like help to me. And so I went to this thing and then I was there and, and I had like no experience in meditation before that, except like what I'd read in a book. And um, oh, it was crazy because Nothing really happened, like, until the third day. Was it the third day? It was the sixth day, yeah. And I was, like, I could feel my back getting really strong from, like, meditating for so long, and I was really happy about that. Like, I was like, yes, <laughs> at least something's coming out of this. <laughs> and then, and then um, yeah, and then I was sitting behind this girl, and she's, like, talking to the teacher, because you're allowed to um, interview the teacher for five minutes at the end of the day. And she's like saying, oh, I was sitting there and, oh, my God, like I don't understand what's happening to me. I felt like tears running down my face. And I felt like I was going to be sick. And I remember sitting behind her and being like, what a fucking hippie. That's definitely not going <laughs> to That's definitely not going to happen to me. <laughs> and, and then I like you know, the meditation finished and then I went back to my room and then I started thinking about it and I thought, I wonder if this will, and it didn't get to happen to me. It was like, I wonder if this will. And then like all this just started to like be like on the peripheral of my energy. And I didn't have words for it back then, but it was like, yeah, energy. And I could see it and I could have a feeling, I could feel so much coming for me. And I was, like, excited. I was really excited. And then I, like, let it just go. And then I just burst into tears. And I was crying and crying for, like, six hours. And I was laughing in between as well because I was so free. And it was, like, just re-experiencing all the memories that I'd pushed down from my, from my sexual abuse that I hadn't actually processed. It was, like, I, I had known they were, like, they weren't repressed. Like, I knew they were there. I just wasn't willing to look at them or consider that they might actually have had an impact on my life. It was more like, I was like, yeah, you know, that happened and it was pretty fucked. And, um, you know, I did all this work on myself since then. So it's okay. But this was different. This was like, I'm like a little 12 year old girl and like I'm in that room and, and, the, and he's there and the energy's there. And it's like, I could, I could just experience it. But then I also had that kind of sense of like, this isn't real. Like it's not happening right now, but it's also like, okay, but I can feel everything that's happening. And, um, yeah, so then I came out of um, that and I just was so different. <sighs> I was so happy. 
and so light and so free. And I um I had never I'd never experienced that before. And I was like, oh my God, I am I I am the Messiah. Like it was <laughs> so happy. Like nothing could get me down. And I got out of the retreat and I was still on such a high and I was driving and singing and um and then I got this like pain in my chest and it was like this like violent stab of truth like it was my body speaking to me it was like yo I've got a message for you and I was like oh and I um and I started to just say no before I even knew what was coming it was like no 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 and then I had this like just overwhelming um physical response and the message was you can't be with this man and there's no reason, there was no logic. It was just this overwhelming feeling of like, this is your truth. And if you continue to deny this truth, you will, um, you'll get very, very sick, right? You're already sick and you're going to get more sick. Um, but I couldn't accept it because I did love him. I didn't understand. So went back to my life and continued to process for another two years. And then in the end, we did go separate ways. Um, and I want to make it clear as well that he, is was not a bad guy it was just that there was a clear misalignment for us um and yeah and then after that i just like after we finally ended it i went on this huge rampage of personal development and meditation and breath work and went to um, America, went to India, and I learned everything I could because I had this whole um, vision on my heart of like, I'm gonna end um, anxiety and depression for Australia. That was my dream. And more recently, I've come to realize that it, it wasn't coming from a pure, clean place. It was coming from a lot of self-hatred and self-loathing. So there was like immediately after I'd broken up with my partner and I'd like torn down my life and um, I, I went into another relationship straight after as well where there was another breakdown and I just had so much like so much hatred for myself that I had to do something to, to make myself feel worthy and that was I'm going to go on this mission. I'm going to save all these people, save all these people. And it was very, very powerful. I, I felt so, I've never felt that way before, so connected, so on purpose. Everything, um, everything was just like difficult, but so also easy and it all made sense and everything was um, beautiful and, and horrific as well. Like, if you understand my meaning. Mm. And then, yeah, which, which takes me to the place where I am now, which is like, okay, so that was, and it really was a winning strategy for me at that time. It was like pain motivation, like push. You've just got to like serve as many people so that you like, you know, your life matters and you make a difference and blah, blah, blah. And like make everyone um, like heal everybody, you know, everyone's suffering just like you were. And then now it's flipped again. And it's like, oh, hang on. Now it's all about embodiment and practicing what I preach, which is, no, you don't have to suffer in order to connect with yourself. You don't have to suffer in order to feel motivated. I can just 
be in alignment, connect with myself truly, feel the, the pain of full emotions, and then clear them. And this creates a passageway for me to just go and like be pulled forward, regardless by, by the consciousness and the universal flow, as opposed to using the mechanisms of the ego to get me, to force me along. So I certainly can relate to that trajectory. <laughs> I've oh, really? gone similar, similar things in my life. It was very much like, um, obviously you're somewhat familiar with my story, but after my husband's passing, it was very much about me stepping into the role of service and about, you know, proving my worth. And, you know, um, mine was in my expression of my business through the fitness industry. And it was all about, you know, empowering people, helping them feel strong. And this, I guess, yeah, this drive to serve and to be the best at what I did as well. And then you sort of get to a point where you recognize that it's just all force and it's not coming from a place that's actually pure. Mm. What was your brick wall moment? Uh, it's pretty recent, actually. I think there's been a few, but the... The ones that stand out would be the Eka. The rest is what's coming to me. Um, this is well, vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, when calmably my meditation with goats business was going um, reasonably well, but I was I was working too hard, too long. And I, and I was doing it um, to, I was doing it just to like get out of it almost. Mm. And it was around the time of the echo last year and yeah, there's two moments actually. There's that moment when I realised that like my life had just become the I had just become the biggest hypocrite. Like I was working like 18 hour days and I didn't have any days off and I was running everything on my own. And I was like, this is, this is such bullshit. Like I'm telling everyone, you know, to be with themselves and to, to look after themselves and serve themselves first and all this stuff. And I was like, and you just like, you're just not doing that at all. And I was, and I kept getting these throat infections um, repeatedly over and over again because I just wouldn't get enough sleep and the stress and then yeah and continuing to do everything on my own it was really bad and then luckily um, I had signed up to Vipassana again the meditation boot camp um, like I think end of last year or end of sorry end of the year before last and then it finally came around because it takes like six months to get in um, finally came around and I was like oh my god there's no way I can go to this but I have to and I was so scared because I was like, but I don't, I don't want to. How can I lead my business, which is solely run by me, like an events business. I've got like four different events that are going to go while I'm in Vipasha. And, and I was like, it doesn't matter. You, I could feel it. I could feel that my spirit, she was like crying. Like every time I thought about not going, it was like, the like a, a child throwing a tantrum, the entire world just falling apart. 
and like sobbing like helplessly on the floor. Like there was no way I couldn't go. And I was like, but how the fuck am I going to make this work? And then I got another gig at the Echo, which was 10 days, one event per day in a row while I was in Vipassana as well. And I was like, oh God, like, so it's like, <laughs> like the most events we've ever had, like the 10, you know, 14 events in two weeks. And I was like, and I checked in again with Spirit. And then it was the same thing. It was like, I was like, you have no choice. Like, you can, it was the same thing. It's like you stay and you die or you go and you live. And so I, like, patched everything together and it was so messy and terrible. And I gave it to my cousin and I was like, okay, this is all the things. And then I left and it was completely fucked for him. Like, <laughs> he saved the business while I was gone, thank God. But that was probably the first time. And then when I was in the past, I had this huge waking where I realised that so much of what I've been doing was for significance. And... I wasn't getting any connection. And so for anyone who's watching, Jess, you'll already know about this because Cody goes through it, but, you know, significance and connection are like two of the human needs. And when, and significance is like, I'm important and I matter. Connection is like actually um, building deep connection with people. And this was like full to the brim. And this was like empty as fuck because I had no, no time to spend with people anymore. I had no days, no days off. I wasn't even being with myself. So I had no connection with self. And that's why I've been feeling so empty. Um, and so I'm realizing that I was like, oh, great. I came out and then um, I was a bit better, but then business just went back again. And um, it got to December. That's right. So December last year was probably like, probably one of the lowest points I've had in ages. Um, and it culminated in, because the finances had gotten really, really bad and I hadn't been paying attention to them. Um, I was borrowing money from future events to pay for uh, my current events. And so it was, I was stuck in this like hamster wheel. Of, like I'm just going to make more money, make more money. And then, um, and then I started borrowing. I borrowed from my brother, my mum. And, and then um, Cody, who's like my ex coach, those of you who don't know, um, kind of sat me down and told me that unless I was at, like, and not in these words, but this is the message that I received. It was like, unless you pick up your game, I'm going to leave you behind. And I don't want to do that. And that was, like, heartbreaking. I was so sad because I love him so much. I look up to him so much. And then my brother um, said, I'm not going to let you borrow any more money. And my mum had to talk to me as well. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Um, and, um, and that's when it all flipped. And I was like, you can't, you, what you've been doing um, isn't working. It's time to actually open yourself up and love yourself. And so that's when it all changed. So then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, like, actually show up on social media and, like, receive as much love as possible. Like like tell everyone about how I'm succeeding, um, boast, boast, like, you know, and ask for help from people. And I had all these like insignificant stories of like, I don't want to be, I don't want people to tell me what to do. And then I was like, 
no, you're just going to be the student. You are the student now. And I just went around and I was a student to everybody. And anyone who had advice for me or had words of kindness or whatever or compliments or anything I just received. And I was like in full receivership for like three months. And um, yeah, and then life just got so much easier. It was so much easier. Oh my God, yes. I was like, what the fuck? Why doesn't everyone do this? Why did it take me so long? It just became so easy. It was like suddenly I just stopped looking for things that were wrong in my life. And I stopped looking for reasons why I was a piece of shit and how I was failing and how I wasn't doing enough. And I started like actually listening when people told me that I was awesome and like actually started like sitting in the reviews that I, like people would write me reviews. And I was always like, oh yeah, nah, you know, that's cool. Like, and then I just actually started to like get reviews and be like, I'm going to feel this. And so, yeah, my focus just shifted from like the dark to the light. Mm. It's so interesting, especially, I guess, from um, an outside perspective, being that you're in the space of meditation, breath work, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I guess it would be taken as a given that this person is, for want of a better word, woke. (laughs) and operating from from a place where you know you are going to be operating with these altruistic intentions so I guess there must have been a real breakdown of identity around what you're playing out Mm. yeah and coming back to sitting with spirit because I think you know those two things for me correlate so an idea of the act as opposed to who we actually are yeah and you've mentioned on your story along your journey that you know sitting with spirit has been something that has I guess been a a telling point or a connection back to your true essence what processes I guess do you call upon most or is it more of a mixed bag it's um you know it is a mixed bag um I've got three processes probably that I rely on the most one is breath work second is Vipassana meditation which is observing the natural breath without seeking to change it. And the third is a a visualization. Um, And so the breath work is extraordinarily powerful because it can be done regardless of where you are and what you're doing and who you're with. Like I'm currently doing it right now. Could you tell? Not explicitly, but I'm used to your, um, like obviously having had conversations with you in the past, I appreciate you breathing, stopping, being considered and actually speaking from your truth. Mm. But it was actually really funny. I'll I'll share an experience with you because this will make you laugh. (laughs) I remember when, (laughs) so for those of you that don't know, um, my partner and I, uh, are both coached by Cody, um, one of Burr's previous coach. And Cody and Burr facilitated an amazing event in November last year that Jason and I both attended. After the first day, Jason says to me, why does Burr pause so much when she speaks? And I said, it's because she's actually connecting with what's coming up for her rather than just reacting. She's he's like, it looked like she was loading. <laughs> my partner at the moment like yeah when he first met me he was like this chick is weird like what the fuck is wrong with her why does she take so long to reply (laughs) I think it's amazing though (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, it's just, um, I feel like it's a, a contrast that's come about because I used to, I literally just used to rattle off like nonstop. And some people really loved it. Um, but then it's like, it's a really good avoidance strategy for how you're really feeling and what's going on. Yeah, it's like you just like bamboozle people with words so they can't see you. Yeah, that's pretty potent. It's true. We do. It's like, you know, if I fill this space with as much as I can, people aren't actually going to see what's happening. <laughs> yeah, they won't be able to read my emotions. Mm. And I guess for me, it's like what's really important right now is being so authentic that people are free to choose whether they want to connect with me or not because I, I used to really just want everyone to like me. And, and now it's like, no, I, I only want you to like me if you'd like me. That is, what it may drop in now. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, that's such a potent piece. I think, you know, it's that, of course, we all want to look good to people, but to actually be received in who you are, it's such a big delineation. Absolutely. So do you have a self-checking process then? Yeah, we can do it together. It's like super simple. It's just like feeling into wherever you are right now. So physically, are your feet on the ground? Are your shoulders up high? Is there any stress in your face, any tension in the heart and the belly? And then just consciously letting everything loosen. And then taking a deep breath in through the nose, allowing the belly to rise, heart to open, keeping the shoulders down, and then exhaling out through the mouth and squeezing the navel back towards the spine until all the breath has left you. And then coming back to the natural breath and feeling into the body and noticing how the mind wants to figure out what to say or do next and going back to the body. And then without analyzing, without creating and deciding this is the right thing to do, just letting the words vomit out of your mouth. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so many times I'm like, I'm shaking my spirit and then I feel it and then I'm like, oh no. And it just like comes out and I'm like, oh God, I hope that's good. So leading into that edge every day around, you know, being purposeful with your communication. Mm. Like, I mean, this must be like, I guess anyone that's sort of done this sort of work would appreciate that there is a sort of training of the nervous system that takes place when we continually lean into edges. Mm. What's something that you've done in the last, say, 12 months that's probably been the biggest stretch for you? The biggest stretch. Can you expand on that a little bit more? So when was the time when you were like, fuck no, I'm out. <laughs> I did it anyway. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so that would be, yeah, it would be Bridge and Extreme. You done them before? No, I haven't. Yeah. It's on the list. <laughs> oh, hang on, the last 12 months. And I really feel that edge. Oh, actually, it's probably it's probably the events that I ran with you guys. Because those, yeah, those events were like 
like terrifying because I really, I really wholeheartedly wanted to not be full of shit <laughs> and to really embody what was important to me. That's what it was. I was like, and I knew that unless I was willing to embody everything to its fullest extent, then everyone would just get a half watered down version of what it was. They'd get the words, but they wouldn't get the energetic experience. And so those, yeah, those times were probably some of the first times where I've ever really gone into an event with no fucking clue what I'm going to do or say. Especially with someone that I really admired and looked up to. Cody was co-facilitating with me. And like, and that was just another level of like self-judgment and insignificant stories. I was like, oh my God, he's judging me. He's going to, what if I do this and I ruin everything? Um, and it was so, it was so, it was so empowering to have the experience of just letting go and letting things take place, knowing that it was all working out. Yeah. And then to have like, like, like we've got a real relationship now, like me and you. Like this still sometimes confuses me because I'm like, yeah, but she saw you. <laughs> she really saw you then. <laughs> She's still here. What's going on? <laughs> and and yeah, and it's the same thing. Like everyone from that from those events has become like family to me, and it's and I can just feel it. Like we have such deep love, and yeah, like I've seen to the to the depths of each other's souls, and um. And I think that was really transformative for me to be a facilitator and to be seen in my absolute messiest, like weakest and most vulnerable and still have people who, who want to engage and learn and, and share with me. It's, yeah, it's awesome. And I think that's such a pertinent point to arrive on. And I think certainly been a realisation that's landed for me, I reckon even in the last couple of months, is that idea of the fact that being a facilitator, being the person holding space, being the coach or the professional is still an opportunity to lean into actually having a transformative experience yourself. Mm. Because as much as we like to think, you know, I'm the expert or I'm here. <laughs> and like it's, it's the ego because we all do it. It's like, you know, it's, I'm here. Um, you know, it's, it's embracing the fact that this is also an opportunity for you to lean into your edges. Mm, yeah well for me it's like when I'm coaching people it's literally just me talking to myself mm. yeah and and I'm learning as I coach them like some of the things I say I'm like oh yeah that's a really good idea but you should probably do that like because I, I, I'm just I'm waking up as I'm coaching absolutely like when I spoke to um, Elizabeth Ann Walker a few weeks ago she was talking about the idea that we should attend to have things that come in externally for us to process it before we can then internalize it. What do you mean? Well, she was saying that the fact that as much as we work with our clients and absolutely we, we are there for them and for their transformation to hold space, but our clients also work for us. Quite often we'll have people that come into our field that are actually an externalization of a problem that we're not quite ready to internalize yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we work it out through them and then we kind of go, <laughs> awesome, taking that and running with it. <laughs> 100%. All my clients work for me. It's amazing. I'm like, 
<laughs> I don't know what my content is. I don't know who my target market is. I don't know what, core, what my core problems I address are. And then I just talk to them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Okay, cool. This is what I'm doing. That's the program I'm going to build. Like, yeah. And, and it's the same thing. It's like every time I set a task, like I get really bored quite easily. So uh, I'll set tasks for people and then I go and make sure I complete them first. And um, yeah, and it just keeps it like, it's literally like they're coaching me as I'm coaching them. Huge. And I think that's where this line of work is so amazing because it does keep you to that high level of account as well. I've done <laughs> it. <laughs> My God, there's just no escape. <laughs> so obviously meditation breakfast work with your entry level had the whole experience of kind of building an empire, tearing it down, and then you're on the trajectory that you're on now. So what are things looking like for you moving forward, like maybe over the next three months even? Because I'm not even going to say six because, you know, with this whole situation the world's in right now, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, at the moment, um, um, logistically, it's, continuing to build my leadership with women. For a long time, I didn't identify with women or the feminine. I thought that I used to look at people's posts like of like goddess and like, you know, them running on the beach and stuff. And I was like, oh, it is like, uh. <laughs> oh my God. and like, even like, you know, like, yeah, what is it? It's like, how does, yes, queen. Have you, have you seen that? Not yet. Yes, queen. It's actually really cool. So it's like a crown. Um, even stuff like that, I used to just be like, oh my God, that's so lame. Because I really identified with the masculine. I thought the feminine was weak. And um, only in the last year, year probably, have I like fully stepped into my power as a feminine woman like, and realised like how ridiculously powerful we are. Like we create, we call down consciousness from the heavens and create something that no one else and nothing else in the world can create, like conscious life. It's like insane when you think about that. We're, we're fucking portals to another world. So that, and then there's like, you know, the masculine way of being is like really important, like protecting, serving, like, you know, giving us structure and time and all that stuff. But then the feminine is like, like love. And it's like, you can be like building all these masculine structures to try and change someone's life. For like, you know, years and then all they need is love and it's like, it's like boom it's done you know and so for me I'm like oh my god like how have I like how have I shut this off for so long why did I why did I um yeah why why would I do that and so now it's really important for me to step into my leadership as a woman not as a masculine which is totally where I was before um and be the embodiment of it so that every other woman feels like it's okay to show up exactly as I am, which includes in your, um, in your vulnerability, you know, your, your weakness, crying in your extreme joy and your play and your chaotic nature in your, um, warrior strength, which is also an element of the masculine, but women have the warrior too. And then in your sexuality. So like being okay with being a sexual being, and understanding that your sexuality is actually the portal that creates everybody else in the world, it's like creates conscious life, 
And so we can't suppress or shame any of this. We're also required to step into all of it so that we can power up the entire world. That's awesome. And I think, you know, I always come back to that idea. We, we so often come back to that um, paradigm around the idea of being one person and what change, what change can one person affect in the world? Mm. So how do you keep, I guess, what is your thought process, mantra process around being with the person in front of you and understanding the actual impact that that's making? Mm. It's going to sound really simple, but it's not easy. It's being with myself, with that person. Because the part of me, the ego wants to be like, okay, what does she need? We'll take her through this process. Um, ask this question. Um, and she looks sad, like, you know, do you need to, like, do something or should we just let her go through it? Or, right, like, the ego really wants to control her experience. But I understand that there is a greater stream of consciousness occurring and all that's required for me is to be with my body and when I'm with my body, the messages just move through me and I can channel them. And so it's like, it's that full surrender, which is also why in many ways I dread my coaching sessions sometimes because I'm like, oh God, what if I fuck it up this time? Because my ego story is getting in the way sometimes. And then I start listening to the ego of like, you know, oh, do this, you know, say this. I think it's, I think she's getting there. Let's like lean in and like push, right? But it's not that. It's like just be with myself and my awareness of my body and and trust fully that whatever flows out is going to be what she requires to get where she needs to go because she will receive the transmission of energy from you more than she will receive what you're saying and that transmission of energy i mean whether or not you're somebody that operates in conscious or spiritual circles or not like i think inherently people acknowledge that energy is received so much faster than words so much faster than actions. It's purely just that initial presence that we get from somebody. Like it goes back to primal survival. And that for me is such a, a potent point that people need to, I guess, or shouldn't need to, I should rephrase my, my phrasing there. But <laughs> energy is, is everything. Yeah, totally. It literally is. And that shifts that conversation, you know, coming into that space. Like for me with my podcast, it's constantly coming back to that curiosity. Like I want to ask another question and, and coming with the energy of being curious. Like even as I said to you before we started the camera, I'm like, I always get nervous. But then as soon as I know I'm recording or as soon as I know that this is all, all go, it's just coming back to the energy of curiosity and it creates a space for things to come out. Whereas I come out here going, right, I'm going to be the best presenter ever. And yeah. this is going to be great. And everyone's going to love it. Yeah would just change the entire feel of course that still comes through 100 <laughs> percent. oh i don't know but no but, but i get it because it's the same with me if i go into a call and i'm like thinking about how i'm going to change this woman's life and how i'm going to be the best coach she's going to like love working with me it all becomes about me and then i can't hear anything to hear my own stories absolutely creating that space for actual transformation to occur yeah. 
I did notice we had a couple of comments, so I just wanted to check if there was any questions. No, no, everyone's just loving it. We're, we're awesome, Beth. It's good. I agree. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, so, actually, um, I wanted to speak quickly into because you asked me what the uh, main processes I used were, and I was going to go into them a little bit more. Is that okay? Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So one of the most powerful ones I have at the moment is it's an adapted version of something called delving, which belongs to MJ Fitzpatrick, but uh, it's very similar. And so it's when you notice a physiological sensation in the body, actually feeling it without wondering why it's there. So most people will try and problem solve the feeling and be like, why do I feel so stressed? What's right and try and fix it on the externally, which alleviates the pressure temporarily, but the message from the body stays. And so the key is when you get those moments of like extreme um, tension that don't seem to like not make sense and not be proportionate to what's actually going on in, in your world right now, it, you, you actually go and sit with it and like feel it in your body. And so it's like, what does this feel like? Oh, it's like tension, heavy on my heart, um, my belly, my, my hips are tight or whatever. And then allowing yourself to, to feel it to a depth that you can name what the emotion is because all emotions are physiological sensations. And so feeling that emotion and then naming it and then continuing to name the emotions that come up afterwards and then eventually feeling it to the point that you can actually process that feeling and let it go. So surrendering over and over again to it has been like the, the most powerful thing that I've been doing in the recent um, six months. And then the, so a lot of people at the moment, especially like our spiritual types, we get really caught up in, okay, I've got to feel this to release it, which is true. But then it's also um, surrendering the need to release it. And just feeling it for feeling's sake. And then once you have felt it, bringing it love. That's the piece that a lot of people miss. They like feel it and they're like, yay, now I'm good. But they're not good. All they've done is clear the top level. Whereas if you actually feel it and then you bring in love, then you're saying, give me more. I love you. And so more stuff can keep coming. But if it's like feel it, clear it, then there's all the stuff down here. And you're like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> loose hand gestures like I'm like the people that are watching on audio are missing out <laughs> not listening on audio oh, I forgot about that yeah no yeah but that's it right and then it's like and then the feeling the emotion is like oh like it's so sad because you're gone <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know again Cody has taught me this like you know just, he's always an ever-present guest offside um but yeah. <laughs> the idea of emotions needing to go from feeling to felt to be time-stamped in the hippocampus otherwise it's a looping yes yes so i guess for any of you sciencey people that's where this is uh it's not just about you know the fluffy which i love the fluffy too but there is this actually physiological psychological nervous system reasons why this process is important and why this does go on to then create things like chronic pain potentially um so that uh, interrelationship between the mind and the body, the mind doesn't just think with the brain, it thinks with the whole body is mm. so prevalent. Mm. 
especially mm-hmm. in today's society. Mm, yeah, and I'm just realizing it now. It's like your whole thing in epigenetics. Like, yeah, for those of you who don't know, like your epigenome, there's like this layer of instructions around your DNA, which and there are genetic markers which turn on and off based on your environmental factors, like stress or what you go through in life or whatever. And so it's like, um, you can like literally change who you are just by becoming aware. Absolutely. And I think that that is, that's where the work that you're doing with your clients, the work that I do with my clients, it's that next level of actually helping people create what they actually want to experience in their life rather than playing out what they feel they should be. Yeah. Oh God. That just gives me like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just that I guess that's where the coaching side of it does come in because society tells us that, you know, emotion is weak and emotion is this and emotion is that. But once we come from a place of actually embracing and loving all those parts, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that that is all making sense. It's just, again, it's the, it's the verbal vomit. that's good that's good it definitely makes sense it's like the suppression of the emotion is what makes us weak it creates a whole shaky foundation makes us tight makes us tight and tired yeah and flexible Mm. usually so Burr, i am not going to put you on the spot and ask you if you've listened to any of these podcasts but there is a question that i ask everyone (laughs) oh yeah yeah Um, there is a sort of a thread of common questions, but this is like my staple because this was something that I arrived upon just before I decided to start the podcast is the idea to live on purpose. So each guest that I get on, um, it's because I believe that they are an example of a woman leading from her purpose. So in your definition, what would you say it means to live on purpose? To live on purpose. So authentically, and powerfully be yourself. Understanding that the unique gift that you are will show up when you embrace it. And it's a consistent unfolding that has no end. Yeah, the unfolding is, gets to be a lot of things. It gets to be exciting, it gets to be scary, and it gets to be you surrendering to it. (laughs) Again and again. Again and again, over and over. I think I'm done. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. And this is like this is like why I don't like um no, it's not why I don't like it. Why some people don't like it. Um some people have told me they don't like the word purpose because they're like, oh well, I don't believe that there's one. And they're right. I'm like, yeah, there isn't one. There's just this ongoing experience of what you love doing which consistently changes over time because you change don't tell them the secret there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and so it's like some people are like oh you know i regret so much i can't believe i did that for that long and i'm like no you did it because you you wanted to back then because it was your purpose and now your purpose is different and then in like 10 years, you'll look back on this and be like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I was so not on purpose. I'm like, no, you were. <laughs> and you are. You always will be. Like, mm. Hugely. And I think, yeah, it's just that 
integration of the shame and the feelings and everything else that goes with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm like obviously only getting slightly aggressive with these people because I also get slightly aggressive for myself, right? Like <laughs> it's just a projection, it's all a projection. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, yeah. It's funny how everything's sort of threading in perfectly. I'm like, I had a list of questions, but I feel like we've answered most of them. So, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. So any final words of wisdom that you would like to share? I would say stop looking on the outside for the answer. When you realise that everything you feel is a message that needs to be seen, heard and felt, you will be able to trust that you are always on the right path and the wrong path. I spent my entire life looking for the right way, thinking that other people could teach it to me. I spent a fuckload of money and time and energy trying to learn from the best so I could be the best and what I realized was that they don't have the answers and so I would say no one has the answers because everyone is so unique that the answer is always within and we can feel the truth and so if you haven't started meditating I would start meditating <laughs> you can feel it yep <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Burr. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can hit me up on Facebook under Burr or they can contact me, um, Burrennis, at karmably.com.au, or they can just contact me through you as well. Absolutely, they can. Thank you so much for your time, energy, and magic today. Thank you, Jess. It was lovely. It was so good to catch up with you as well. I felt like we were just having a conversation this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that same it was just funny like it actually <laughs> started to think this is how i'm gonna to have to pin people down to talk to them properly <laughs> you, what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to my interview with bertan if you found value in this interview i would really appreciate it if you shared it with one friend in your network to continue to spread the message if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm available on Facebook at Jess Cutting or on Instagram at Jess Cutting underscore. I'll be back next week with my interview with Rebecca Freeman, medicine woman and the creator of the new paradigm of motherhood. Catch you guys then.